Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is July 29th, 2022. Thank you so much for joining us today on Generation Z's Kraken Report. We've got about 30 stories that we're going to be breezing through today to get of a feel for this uh, Friday end of the week roundup. Uh, the stories this uh, today are going to pertain mostly to corruption, some of the main distractions that are going on with the narratives, um, some geopolitics of world orders, uh, a lot of ongoing emergencies, and then we got some fun random stories. But uh, without further ado, let's get to it. And let me just share my screen. Perfect. Over there. Okay. So to start us off, former U.S. Democrat Andrew Yang launches a centrist forward party. The former presidential candidate says party will be the biggest outside of long-dominant Democrat and Republican behemoths. Very interesting. Um, personally, I'm happy to see it. Uh, I was a fan of uh, some of Andrew Yang's outside-the-box thinking, although it was still fairly conventional. But, you know, given the people a new choice uh, in America, seems like a good step in the right direction, I suppose. Next up. We've got uh, Ghislaine Maxwell moved to a low-security prison in Florida for her 20-year sentence. Okay, and that's going to be the only time I'm saying that word. I'll, I'll do my best not to. I really appreciate the comments in the uh, YouTube uh, section uh, giving some feedback, so I'm going to improve my uh, lexicon. Uh, so Ghislaine Maxwell has been moved to a low-security a low federal prison in Florida to serve her 20-year sentence, sentence for sex trafficking, according to the Federal Bureau of Prisons. She was moved on Friday, according to a, a source close to the defense. So this is an interesting story, the timing of it, given the new documentary that has come out on Hulu that is exploring Victoria's Secret with um, Wexner, Epstein, uh, talk, talks about Jean-Luc Brunel. So the timing here is interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, there's a lot that we can say about that, but I'm sure our audience knows where we stand on this situation, and you got to just stay vigilant to what is going on specifically in this case. Next up. From Yahoo News, Nancy Pelosi's husband just dumped his NVIDIA stock right before Congress was set to pass the CHIPS Plus bill. So this is from Wednesday, July 27th. And on that day as well, I covered the uh, Congress passing the bill about uh, chip semiconductors. And here we have it, um, kind of yet again, that the Pelosi's are making trades, which arguably, I mean, do they do they have this knowledge about what's going to happen before? I'm sure that uh, a lot of our audience has seen a video recently where she was questioned actually asking about this, and her response was a little comedic because just straight up saying absolutely not, and then turns the microphone away and then walks off the stage. So, I mean, we can kind of read between the lines about what's going on here. Uh, it is interesting to mention that she is the third uh, highest up in the federal government of the United States after the president and vice president. 
but uh, so that was, you know, we're doing the category of corruption to start the to start the day. And continuing that theme from CTV News in Canada, prosecutors in Spain to seek an eight year prison term for Shakira in tax fraud trial. Um, Shakira, whose full name is Shakira Isabel uh, Mebarak Ripple, has charged with failing to pay the Spanish government 14.5 million euros in taxes between 2012 and 2014. They're seeking a 24 million dollar, uh, a million euro fine. Now, what this article is not mentioning is what I have right here from the Rolling Stones, uh, assuming that it loads, where Shakira was mentioned in the Pandora Papers, which honestly, we were going to be bringing this back. I've been doing my research into this whole situation, and the timing is very strange for this story to break, where you've got other names like Elton John, Ringo Starr, you know, as, as well as Shakira, Jackie Chan, Bono, from various papers uh, that were leaked showing these elites having offshore accounts. So Shakira was one of them. And here the Spanish government is trying to get what they think is rightfully theirs with unpaid taxes. So interesting to monitor how that's going to go. Uh, just because somebody was named in these papers doesn't mean that they are guilty of doing anything illegal, I suppose, or nefarious, but certainly worth monitoring. And as we know from Dave's excellent research, you know, it's all intelligence uh, operations, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of uh, shell companies, third party companies, dummy companies, etc. There's really uh, in-depth ways of, of hiding your finances and securing them. But speaking of intelligence operations, Iran arrests spies linked to Israel's Mossad. Iran's law enforcement intelligence organization says Mossad gave pledges to the five arrested members of the spy network. This is from July 28th from Al Jazeera. So very interesting, actually. Um, we've been doing some reports on uh, what's going on in Israel and Iran. They always have this back and forth. Um, but in this article, it, it says here, and I'm going to read the quote, the arrested five members of the spy network were given various pledges from Israel's Mossad, including financial promises to gather information from important areas across the country. And uh, also referring to this uh, documentary that, just came out on Hulu talking about Epstein and Wexner. Well, you know, we could definitely get into the intelligence angle side of things, which I'm not going to because it's a very sensitive subject. But, you know, you can there's a lot to look into with that is, is all I'll say. But just uh, this article mentions that Iran's minister of intelligence, Eshmael Khatib, said Iran had foiled subversive actions from the Zionist regime. It's term for Israel. Now, uh, I do want to just point out that referring to the government of Israel as a Zionist regime is actually, it seems politically correct because the governing body of Israel is the Zionist political party. So it's, it's almost like they're trying to twist this to make it seem like it's a derogatory term, but it is actually technically politically correct. So on to the next story, and uh, this one I'm sure we've all been waiting uh, eagerly to see how this character is 
responding to the situation at hand, Will Smith addresses Oscar's slap in new video. Will Smith is deeply remorseful about slapping Chris Rock at the Academy Awards in March. And this was one of the bigger distractions that I've ever seen of uh, an event that's uh, on primetime television. But it was interesting to uh, look at how his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, suffers hair loss due to alopecia, an autoimmune condition that can lead to hair loss. And it was convenient timing for Pfizer to be unveiling their new alopecia medicine at the basically same time as this stunt occurred. So there's always more to uh, events that happen, obviously. Okay, so that was kind of more so the corruption. Now we're on to uh, these uh, next two are uh, more unfortunate. Um, from Al Jazeera, suspect in Chicago July 4th shooting indicted on 117 felonies. Robert E. Crimo III indicted on 21 counts of first-degree murder, 48 of attempted murder, and 48 of aggravated battery. Now, we could go deep into this one because a lot of these uh, shootings, uh, unfortunately, do have a lot of ritualistic tendencies. When you start looking into the esoteric and uh, the gematria side of things, the MK Ultra, the intelligence angle. Uh, so it's very unfortunate when, when uh, people pass, but there's usually a larger, uh, a larger agenda than simply just some kid going in and committing a mass atrocity. But I would refer you to looking at Ani Osaru's work at the Spiritual Shade Room on YouTube if you want to look into deeper side of what's going on in the news, because he does excellent work in the esoteric occult side. And Ani, you're doing great. Keep it up. Okay, on to the next story here. I'm trying to keep, do a fast cadence for everybody to get back into the I know the the routine that I think Dave had uh, get a, got us accustomed to. Um, so I'm trying not to spend too much time on each story. We're really just giving you the, the the brief surface summary of them with a little bit of context so that you know that we're not falling for any of their ploys as they try to shape the narrative and get us to think a certain way. From Al Jazeera, bomb threats cause disruption in schools across New Zealand. Hoax calls prompt police investigation amid suggestions of an overseas cyber attack. This is from July 28th. At least a dozen schools across New Zealand have received bomb threats that caused widespread disruption amid suggestions of a possible cyber attack from overseas. Hmm. So that is interesting. New Zealand uh, seems to be a country where a lot of these situations... Yeah, a lot of these... I guess we can really just call them situations right now. I don't want to call them false flags at this point yet because you, you never know, but it there, there are so many different angles as to what they're trying to do. Um, we know that uh, cyber attack emergencies are definitely on the rise. Um, uh, uh, situations where the government wants to take away people's guns, that's on the rise. Um, but yeah, so we'll just stay tuned to see if uh, any groups come forward claiming that they're responsible for it. I mean, it could be an intel operation committing it on themselves just to try to justify some legislation that's going to be passed. As we know, that has uh, famously happened so many times in the history of world governments. 
But on to the next one. Uh, now we're going to, uh, this is the only space article of the day. So just kind of threw it in there. Um, but China says closely tracking rocket debris hurtling towards Earth. Beijing says uncontrolled re-entry of rocket debris poses little risk to anyone on the ground. Right. So this one is interesting because, of course, we're simply trusting what Beijing is saying about their own Chinese rocket that they launched up into space, quote-unquote space, as we know from some of our Dose of Reality episodes, that outer space technically is defined by 100 kilometers above sea level. It's called the Kármán line. Uh, this is a very, it's a very fascinating uh, specific measurement, actually, that seems to relate to a lot of uh, aeronautical and uh, aerospace and other um, atmospheric phenomena, we can say, occurs at that height in the quote-unquote sky. But I just find it interesting that they say, no, 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 there's no there's no risk of anything. And it's like risk fairly low, as they say. It's like, okay, fair enough. Well, let's just hope that uh, they are correct and that nobody does get injured from this situation. But I do want to bring up how it is very interesting to also monitor how China's emergence in the space race could very well conflict with a lot of the stuff that we've been told from NASA and from the European Space Agency about about what's going on. And this is also interesting at the timing of uh, Roscosmos, as we reported on a couple of days ago, severing ties with the ISS. So we see this shift from geo, a geopolitical shift from the west to east. And absolutely, the spacefaring aspect of all of this is very, very important especially as we also monitor the UAP phenomena, UFO phenomena, all of that, uh, you know, arguable controlled PSYOP situation. Uh, here, we're going to Canada. And I know we covered a little bit about this uh, the other day, but here from Canada, the Pope, as he's finishing up his visit, uh, he is asked to renounce the doctrine of discovery. Now, this is very interesting because... Um, uh, as the article says, um, the Assembly of First Nations uh, has called, quote, a significant gesture and a historic step to fulfilling reconciliation, referring to the Pope's visit to Canada and the apology. But what they are also calling for is the renunciation of what's called the doctrine of discovery. And so according to a 2018 report by the AFN, the Assembly of First Nations, they they called the report dismantling the doctrine of discovery. So the church maxim, quote, emanates from a series of papal bulls and extensions originating from the 1400s. It was used as legal and moral justification for colonial dispossession of sovereign indigenous nations, including First Nations in what is now Canada. Canada. So that's uh, Doctrine of Discovery. I strongly recommend everybody that's listening to go look it up to verse themselves in the content there. It is a very interesting aspect of uh, colonialism and the history of Canada. And we'll see if the Pope actually acknowledges this. Um, another term that you can look up uh, at home is a terra nullius. I don't have the page in front of me right now, but terra nullius is a term that essentially goes hand in hand with this doctrine of discovery, where they say, 
well, no sovereign or intelligence civilizations live here, so that means we have the right to declare it our own. But on this, under this rule, if you could actually show that uh, there were societies that lived there prior to declaring terra nullius, then everything would be null and void, which is essentially what the AFN is trying to say here with the doctrine of discovery, that essentially the, the foundation of Canada is kind of illegal and should does, doesn't have any uh, right to exist. So, you know, that that's just a, a fascinating and intriguing concept. And, and now I'm trying to catch myself not say interesting too much, but hey, I'm a work in progress and thank you so much for bearing with me. So now we're going to get into uh, the emergency stories of the world. And we know that there's the climate, there's the global health concern, there's the economy, there's the energy crisis, there's the war. So the next few stories are going to be touching those. First up, we have Kim Jong-un threatens to use nukes amid tensions with United States and South Korea. So North Korean leader Kim Jong-un warned he's ready to use the nuclear weapons in potential military conflicts with the U.S. and South Korea, state media said Thursday. And, okay, I would like to point out that this is this article is coming right on the heels of looking at this Asian nuclear renaissance that we reported on, where countries in Asia are looking to nuclear power. And... It seems like it potentially in a way behind the scenes, some powers that maybe don't want uh, nuclear power to be used potentially have prompted the leader of this kind of proxy state uh, used by world powers to make this declaration so that we continue to maintain this fear of nuclear war, just like the uh, New York declared a potential uh, a state of emergency because an emerging nuclear threat. So it's interesting to monitor on a day-to-day -day how the sh stories come from one side to the other to, to ba battle these narratives, especially when we use uh, Al Jazeera versus CTV versus NBC, because I didn't see anything about the Asian nuclear renaissance in any Western media outlets. However, Al Jazeera is covering it. So, so I were trying to get a balance of all of this reporting. Next up, we have Sri Lanka's parliament extends state of emergency amid crackdown. The emergency powers enable troops to arrest and detain suspects for long periods. Well, this has taken a turn for the worst, unfortunately. As you know, if you've kept up with uh, my reporting here, we've been trying to pay close tabs to what is going on in Sri Lanka. And Sri Lanka now has extended the state of emergency declared by the president, Ranil uh, Wickremesinghe as his government cracks down on demonstrators. There was a vote for this, though. So the vote passed 120 to 63 in their 225-member parliament, while the remaining legislators abstained. So this is disappointing, and good luck to the people of Sri Lanka with resolving your situation. On to the next emergency in the world. Uh, as monkeypox surges, WHO urges reducing number of sexual partners. The advice comes days after the WHO declared the monkeypox outbreak an international health emergency amid rising cases. 
<clears throat> so I'm going to read you a quote from WHO Chief Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. My apologies if I butchered that. I will read the phonetics of that after I do this report. Should have done that beforehand. But the quote is, for men who have sex with men, this includes for the moment, reducing your number of sexual partners, reconsidering sex with new partners, and exchanging contact details with any new partners to enable follow-up if needed. Well, I wasn't around when the HIV AIDS pandemic was going on, but this does seem very similar with that established narrative that they were trying to push. The article does say that anyone can get monkeypox. However, 78% of cases have occurred in men who have sex with men. And this was a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine. So... That's an interesting angle. Of course, there's the general population control uh, narrative that we see uh, coming along here. But obviously, uh, just stay safe and stay away from monkeys, I guess. Uh, next up, we have UK advisor warns of nuclear war risk amid communication breakdown. Stephen Lovegrove says backdoor channels that kept world safe during the Cold War have disintegrated. And so as we just reported with the North Korea nuclear threat, now we have the National Security Advisor of the United Kingdom is warning of the growing risk of nuclear confrontation with Russia and China amid a breakdown in the backdoor communication channels that helped maintain peace during the Cold War. Well, that is an interesting thing to bring up as the Backdoor communication channels. Is this perhaps hinting that there were things going on behind the scenes that were different than what we were told on the surface? That's just what it seems to me. And when we're told about a threat between Russia and the United States, well, is there really a threat? Or are these politicians and elites and oligarchs that are running the show collaborating and cooperating and it's all a theater to make us think that there is a threat of nuclear war just my my two cents there uh now here this is this is potentially the most uh the biggest story of the day she warns biden against playing with fire over taiwan the two-hour call between the two leaders comes amid escalating tensions over a potential Taiwan visit by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So, as the art, as the headline says, the President of China is warning the U.S. President against playing with fire regarding Taiwan, and that's a very yeah, that's a pretty hefty thing to say. As they go on, if the U.S. insists on going its own way and challenging China's bottom line, it will surely be met with forceful responses. Um, all ensuing consequences shall be borne by the U.S. And the U.S. military officials believed it, it is not a good idea for Pelosi to visit the island right now. And yeah. This is a big one. This is 
China's clearly laying down their disinterest in seeing the United States go to Taiwan. So it will is genuinely interesting to see what will come of this. But I would like to draw the parallel between this story and Russia formally saying that they're trying to take down the Ukrainian regime of uh, Zelensky. Because we always have to go back to the BRICS alliance versus the West. We're seeing the, the, the economic shift from the West to the East. And so we're seeing the geopolitics of the world orders play out right before our very eyes. And speaking of which, the United States offers to swap Russian arms dealer out for Griner Whelan. Okay, the reports indicate that such an exchange could free Paul Whelan and Brittany Griner in exchange for Russian arms dealer. So the United States has put a substantial proposal on the table to facilitate the release of the uh, women's basketball star Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, both held by Russia in what the U.S. has termed wrongful detention. Now, I deliberately didn't report on any of the stuff about Brittany Griner in Russia until we were going to get something more significant like this. Uh, she's been in jail because she basically was using a marijuana when marijuana is not really allowed in Russia. And that's kind of all we're going to get into here. But uh, very interesting with how these backdoor deals occur and negotiating prisoners of war. It's yeah similar to China and Canada exchanging their uh, prisoners and, and potential spies when the Huawei situation was going on, which led to the, the, Roger, uh, the Rogers outage in Canada. Happened on the same day of the COO of Huawei uh, getting arrested. Very interesting tit-for-tat retaliation. But yes. So that, that story is interesting, but it's... Yeah, it's it feels like it's kind of just adding some it, it's almost deliberately just adding fuel to this uh, battle between Russia and the United States, which we definitely try not to feed into. And we're really trying to read through all of that. But here we have uh, from Canada that the an urgent response required as monkeypox cases rise in Canada, says Teresa Tam. Now we have 745 confirmed cases of monkeypox in Canada, says Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Teresa Tam. She is citing the World Health Organization's recent declaration of monkeypox as a public health emergency of international concern. So, uh, yeah. Well, okay, at the very bottom of this article, I'm glad that I scrolled all the way through, is that to date, more than 18,000 cases of monkeypox have been reported globally from 78 countries. I'm simply bringing up this number, 18,000, because here we have a perfect example of 180108. That number, 180108, as we've covered so many times on Generation Z, seems to be one of those numbers that just sticks out to us, and it's almost as if the system we're living in is trying to tell us little clues about how to break from the matrix by giving us these numerical uh, drips of disclosure, perhaps. So I'm glad I brought that up because whenever I see that number, it, it, it makes me feel like we're, we're on the right path with what we're looking at. Don't need to look at that article. Okay, so 
probably just let's see how we're doing for time here. Well, I'm already at 27 minutes. Okay. So next up, how Russia spread a secret web of agents across Ukraine. So we're not really going to go deep into this, but uh, essentially uh, Reuters is reporting on how Russia has put uh, secret agents all throughout Ukraine. And we could do a whole episode on Reuters as well as the Associated Press and the media. And actually, I have done that on our on our Patreon side. When you look at the World Wide Web Consortium, W3C, who are essentially the gatekeepers of information, and Reuters is right there as one of the fact checkers of information. And as we see. Reuters is pretty much the source of this story and it's all, yeah, that's, we won't get into it, but that is, uh, Russia is, uh, got a bunch of spies in Ukraine, essentially, says that story. So now, uh, again, with another emergency, New York raises monkeypox alarm, San Francisco declares emergency. Next, we don't need to get into that one. We're just letting you know that New York and San Francisco are following suit with what they're pushing in Canada and the World Health Organization. Um, Where are we at here? Okay, well, yes. Okay, so this is from Al Jazeera, and this is about the Palestinian Authority arrest campaign one of the worst in years. So lawyers say the Palestinian Authority security forces arrested close to 100 Palestinians in two months, predominantly for political reasons. Now, this is a very, you know, it's always unfortunate when for political reasons, people get arrested. Um, as we saw in Sri Lanka, they're also uh, trying to put a crackdown on people protesting the government. And in this uh, story, we see that uh, 94, at least 94 people were arrested over the past two months. This includes university students and journalists, with 20 of them still in detention, none of them with any offenses, and most were released after 10 days in prison. And we're not going to go get into the uh, Israeli-Palestine conflict here. We're just, uh, just reporting that uh, people are getting arrested right now. Now, this one is an interesting story. Uh, for maybe reasons that aren't so surface level, but South Korea to cut public sector after growth under liberal government. President Yoon Suk Yeol has promised to aggressively cut spending and sell non-core assets at public enterprises. This is significant because there it's almost like the South Korea's government right now is following the shock doctrine that Naomi Klein outlined in her book, Shock Doctrine, Disaster Capitalism, which uh, outlines how governments become privatized and run by transnational corporations. So then that's exactly when a government gets corrupt, they sell everything off. And that's what we're seeing here. They said a total of 350 public organizations were employing 449,000 people as the end of May which carried up to $449 billion in combined liabilities at the end of 2021. And this is happening as the approval rating of the leader of South Korea falls from 32% to 28%. So here is another leader of a world country whose 
uh, losing support, the people are getting more and more fed up with these world leaders. So, you know, power to South Korea, the people, and I hope that you <laughs> find some solace in your upcoming uh, political endeavors. Now, here's a positive story, I think. Venezuela and Colombia agree to reestablish diplomatic ties. Countries will name new ambassadors when Colombia's president-elect Gustavo Petro takes office next month. So the two countries, Colombia and Venezuela, will appoint new ambassadors in their respective capitals when Colombian president takes office next month. And this decision was announced in a joint declaration on Thursday by the Venezuelan Foreign Minister Carlos Faria and Colombian Foreign Minister in waiting Alvaro Leva after a meeting at the border of San Cristobal. Well, let's uh, hope that this is a genuine, authentic, positive situation where two countries are putting their differences aside and working to uh, have peaceful solutions for prosperity. And we'll just mention that the border has between these two countries has been a site of confrontations between armed groups, including the National Liberation Army and Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. Let's hope it is peacefully resolved. Okay, this is the, this is on the tail. Well, we got, uh, okay, four more stories about the emergency side of things. And then we got a few fun ones. Prime Minister of Spain tells workers to stop wearing ties to save energy. The government of, Mr. of uh, Pedro Sanchez says his government will adopt urgent ener energy-saving measures on Monday as European countries strive to become less dependent on Russian gas in the wake of the war in Ukraine. Well, wear your, wear your tie less and wear more loose clothing. That is a practical suggestion, and I'm sure the people of Spain appreciate that. <laughs> the next story. Uh, now we're going to the energy emergencies, segue into the climate emergencies fairly well. So the Appalachian floods kill at least 16 as rescue teams deploy. So this is from Jackson, Kentucky. Search and rescue teams backed by the National Guard searched Friday for people missing in record floods that wiped out entire communities in some of the poorest places in America. Kentucky's governor said 16 people have died, a toll he expects to grow as the rain keeps falling. Of course, that's a very unfortunate situation. There's flooding all over the world, as well as droughts all over the world. Um... But yeah, well, we hope that the deaths are mitigated and that is overall an unfortunate reality that a lot of us are facing. And here is a story on the opposite end of the climate emergency concept. A third set of human remains found at Lake Mead amid drought, National Park Service says. So another set of human remains were found at Lake Mead on Monday as the reservoir's letter, water levels continue to recede, according to a news release from the National Park Service. Uh, that is a bit disturbing, because where are these bodies coming from? What happened? There's a lot of different possibilities for why they're finding more and more remains but that is a that is an interesting one. 
the last of the emergency stories. Should we be naming heat waves like hurricanes? Asks Tom Yun from CTV News. And we're not going to go into this article. Nope. I just want to let you know that this is a mainstream article that is in the news. And maybe that's the direction we're going. Maybe they're going to be naming heat domes after people. Who knows? Uh, here's from the Canadian press. Transat gets a $100 million bailout as debt load mounts despite travel rebound. Transat Inc. has secured another emergency loan from Ottawa as the tour operator struggles to shore up its balance sheet. So this is a company, um, obviously, in Canada. It's a Montreal-based uh, crown corporation. Sorry, it's a Montreal-based company that is getting a crown corporation loan. And it's borrowing $100 million after it had already received $700 million from a loan after an addition, after already getting another $43 million loan. And I struggled with where I wanted to place this story. And because it is an emergency loan, I classified it in my own little category under the emergency section. But this for sure could be under the corruption section at the beginning of the day. Because what are we doing with bailing out these huge mega corporations, especially the airline industry? Have you seen the airline industry lately? Holy moly. But yeah. So, okay. Thank you so much for bearing with us. We just got a three more, uh, three more, three more stories here. And this one uh, actually flabbergasted me a little bit. Cable company ordered to pay over $7 billion in damages of family to a family of Texas grandmother murdered by employee. Roy James Holden had performed a service call at the home of Betty Thomas, aged 83, in December of 2019. He returned the, the, he returned the next day off-duty, robbed her, and killed her. So this is straight-up disturbing. And the highlight I want to bring to your attention is the trial lawyer, Chris Hamilton, representing the Thomas family, said, and quote, this was a shocking breach of faith by a company that sends workers inside millions of homes every year. You don't say. However, $7 billion. That's an that's that's more money than the airline industry is getting. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, this is phenomenal, and not really in the positive sense. Um, more like this is it's a phenomenal, like this is a phenomena. This is an anomaly. It's a regular. <sighs> but yeah, it happens. So stay vigilant when the cable guy comes visit. It's your door, I guess. Not that many people have cable anymore. However, on to the next uh, two stories here. A pink diamond found in Angola believed to be the largest in 300 years. The 170-carat Lulo Rose was found at the Lulo Diamond Mine, which has already produced the two largest diamonds ever found in Angola. Wow, that is a nice-looking rock. 
Okay, so it's a diamond that's super rare. It's only one in 10,000 diamonds that are colored pink. Uh, good for them. The mining industry is incredibly corrupt. This could have easily been in the, the early stages of our program today. But a uh, question for me that I wonder is, well, does the, do the people of Angola get the money raised from this diamond? I would guess not, but maybe. We can only hope, right? But okay, so on to the uh, final two stories here. The Georgiosaurus. A 77 million year old dinosaur skeleton sells for $6 million. Scientists raise concerns over private sales of dinosaur skeletons, saying it could hamper their ability to study them. So this is, this is a fascinating one. Uh, sold at an auction of over $6 million. And this is an interesting to get anybody that's listening to go down a little rabbit hole of the black market of the arts culture world. Very interesting how uh, these, these auctions sell like artifacts, but it's really posing as some money laundering scheme. And I just want to also mention that George Osaurus here, this concept, George, um, as an anagram for Egregore and Georgia Guidestones. Uh, there is a theme with that, as well as even the word ego fits in, not with George, with Georgia Guidestones, not with this Georgiosaurus. But I know that I'm saying there that's a little bit harder to justify with proper uh, research and news articles, but I'm just planting those little seeds for you to explore in your own research. But interesting to note is that the Georgiosaurus, whose name means dreadful lizard, lived approximately 77 million years ago. So dreadful lizard, Georgiosaurus, egregore. And if you don't know what an egregore is, please comment in the comment section and we will uh, point you in some right directions to help you understand what I'm referring to. And for the last story of the day, and let's just see how I'm doing for time. Well, okay, I'm not too bad. I know that I'm trying to be quicker, but there's so much for me to talk about. Uh, there's so much to report on, and our audience really is phenomenal, which we have actually cracked the 26,000 subscriber mark. So thank you, everybody, for, uh, you know, for being with us on this journey. And the last story of the day is about the Islamic New Year and the different calendars around the world. The arrival of the new crescent moon marks the start of the year 1,444 on the, uh, on the Islamic lunar calendar. So very we're in the year 1,044, according to the Islamic lunar calendar. Effective July 30th, so as of tomorrow. Now, that's beautiful numerical synchronicity. Um the triple four we can go deep into that with the esoteric significance of that but what i wanted to bring to your attention here is how old are you according to the hijri calendar if you're younger than 16 your hijri age is the same as your gregorian age now 
I'm bringing, we're, we're hitting this article because Gregorian, just like how we looked at Georgiasaurus, the Georgia Guidestones, Egregor, the Gregorian calendar, the time structure that we're living in is literally the same like root words that goes back to dreadful lizard. Okay? Okay. And that was just for you. Uh, I think it was James who commented saying, try not to, no, sorry, it wasn't James. I can't remember the comment, but anyway, sorry for babbling here. Um, if you're between the age of 16 and 48, add one year to your current Gregorian age. If you're between 48, 9, and 81, add two years to your age. And if you're older than 81, add three years to your age. Now, here are other calendars around the world. And this article says that the Gregorian calendar was introduced in October 1582 by, by Pope Gregory the 13th. And let's see if it will give us a description. So according to the Gregorian New Year, it is 2022. In the Lunar New Year, which is known as the Chinese New Year, it is also the year 2022. Uh, but the new year is marked on uh, January 22nd. In the Sikh New Year, it is March 14th. The Persian New Year is March 21st. The Hindu New Year is April 1st. The Thai New Year is April 13th. The Jewish New Year is September 25th. And I just, I find that the calendars and the timing uh, understanding, looking into what time is super fascinating. And this was kind of a bit of a, a babbled, haha, pun intended with the Tower of Babel, not being able to articulate myself. But yeah, a bit of a, a babbling uh, explanation or dive into the calendars there. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is Riel reporting for the Kraken. I don't think this is my best today. But it is what it is, and thank you so much for joining us. And Dave and I will be doing a joint Kraken in the upcoming week, so please stay tuned for that. Hope you all have a great weekend, and see you all very, very soon. Thank you so much for being here.